This is Americami Minute, presented by the Drunken Penwriting Podcast. Well, it has been long overdue, but we are back with more Americami work, Spencer. Yes. Uh, for those who haven't listened to the previous episodes, I'm your host, Caleb James, with me today, Mr. Spencer Church. We are going all the way back to the early 70s on this one. Yes, yes. The last one I believe we covered was First Person Singular. Was that the last Miracami Minute? Or no, did we do one after that? No, it was Vanishing Something. Vanishing Elephant? Or elephant Vanishes. Yeah. That's right. That was a short story collection. This one is not a short story collection. We're actually covering his first two novels, Hear the Wind Sing and Pinball 1973. Which is a first for this series because previously everything has been short stories. To be fair, though. These are, I would actually classify as novellas because of the length. Uh, Me and Spencer were just talking off air because we were going to do the introduction and then we were going to, you know, like we do the short stories. We dedicate so many episodes to the short stories. I read this story last night, this first novel, in an hour. Mm -hmm. So it was only like 100 pages. The second, and it's very easy reading. Yeah, and then the second, uh, Pinball 1973, the second novel, uh, which is the sequel to the first one, is like 130-something pages. Yeah. yeah, easy reading. Just a heads up, I really enjoyed the first novel. I haven't read the second one yet, just for anybody who's interested. For this introduction episode, we're going to break down the actual intro of the novel. Yeah, because well, the... that, that's kind of its own kind of thing. Because we've discussed before how Haruki Mirakami started writing, but I didn't know some of the details in here, which was really interesting, especially his writing style. But I'll give the synopsis for the, the stories here. Call them stories. They're not even really stories either. Mm. At least this first one was not like an actual narrative. Here the Wind Sing is the first novel by Haruki Mirakami. It first appeared in the June 1979 issue of Gunzo, one of the most influential literary magazines in Japan. There's not a whole lot to say story-wise. A young man drinks a lot of beer mm. and has strange conversations with a mysterious young lady he just met. I don't believe this had any cats, but there was a lot of jazz music and drinking and most of the Mirakami tropes, the, were, the, including the, the wells. Like the wells, I didn't know that because that's a trope that comes up in almost not almost all of his uh, work, but like a lot of his work is like the wells. There was a whole scene in here about wells. There was even wasn't there a, uh, a mention of pasta or spaghetti, too? Yes, there was. There was some pasta. I think they actually <laughs> had like a nice delicious dinner, like just yeah. Mirakami tropes. Uh, the second one, which I have not read yet, but I'm looking forward to it now, which is the first one's considered the rat number one. This is the rat number two. I actually read A Wild Sheep Chase a few years ago, and I think that's the rat number three. Mm. That is a novel. Like, that is an actual novel with a story, not just like what this seems to be is just like little vignettes of a man's life. Uh, the second one here, though, the Pinball 1973. Did you read this one yet? Or did you? I, I, I'm only like a couple pages in. Okay. The plot centers on the narrator's brief but intense obsession with pinball, his life as a freelance translator, and his later efforts to reunite with the old pinball machine that he used to play. He describes living with a pair of identical unnamed female twins, interesting, yeah. and uh, twins, and twins, who mysteriously appear in his apartment one morning and disappear at the end of the book. Interspersed with the narrative are the memories of the Japanese student movement and of his old girlfriend, Ayoko. The plot alternates between describing the life of narrator and that of his friend, the rat. So is this the first narrator from the first book? It's, it's hard to tell. Which is an unnamed narrator. Yeah. Uh, and the first one's a young college guy, and the, the not any spoilers really, but it ends with him as like a 29-year-old. Uh, so this is a sequel to it. I mean, that guy's best friend was a guy who goes by the rat. Yeah. So I'm assuming this is the same well, narrator. And it was nice that he was able to find that because there's none of that in the book because... 
There's no synopsis because this is one of those old school styles where it's a flip upside down. Yeah, so there's no, yeah, there's nothing like that on for either of the stories. Yeah, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, here the wind sing is half the book, and then you flip it upside down and turn it, and Pinball 1973 is the other half of the book. Very uh, 90s comics uh, style. Yeah, but just keep this a minute here. We went a little long on some of those previous ones. I think we ended up going up to like 30 minutes anyway, previous episodes, but... In the introduction of this, I really like because it's actually by Mirakami himself, and it discuss he d- just discusses how he became a writer. Now I knew he had he like he graduated university and he started his own jazz bar. He opened up, I believe it was called Peter Cat. He doesn't mention that in here, but I'm pretty sure that's the name. Uh, he goes into more detail in here. Actually, he opens it up. It actually took me a while reading this story to be like, is this in Japan? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you got that as well, but I'll, until then like, he talked about japan but for a while i was like wait is this actually set in japan or america we've mentioned that a couple of times with some of his short stories they're very western but then he i found out why in this introduction he opens this up by saying most people by which i mean most of us who are part of japanese society graduate from school then find work then after some time has passed get married even i originally intended to follow that pattern or at least that was how i imagined things would turn out Yet in reality, I married, then started working, then somehow finally managed to graduate. In other words, the order I chose is the exact opposite to what was considered normal. But he ends up, him and his wife are running this jazz bar, uh, which is interesting to hear him go into that because now you get like the detail, especially this novel, mm-hmm. but you get the details of just like how he goes about knowing so much about the music and stuff is because that really was his life. Like mm-hmm. basically, this is almost autobiographical. Like just the... Uh, themes in all of his novels about the jazz and the cats and the bars well like a lot of uh early writers yeah you you kind of draw from yourself because that's what you write what you know yeah the interesting thing about this introduction was one he talks about how they were very poor like they owed everybody money because Mm -hmm. you know to open up this bar they had to get more uh you know, not just loans, but loans from friends and all kinds Family of stuff. Family members, all that kind of stuff. Fortunately, this was in the probably late 60s, early 70s, so he was able to swing that. I don't. We read a story, and I think it was The Vel- Elephant Vanishes, where he was at a baseball game. So he talks about that. Yeah, that's what, like, when I was reading that, I was like, is this what that story, like? Yeah, that's kind of, it was based on that story. I don't remember the name of that, but uh, something, the, the Yakult Swallows. I don't mm-hmm. know if that was the name of the story, but that's the baseball team. But he describes how... He was at a baseball game drinking a cold beer. Don't even have bleachers because it's a shitty team. Sitting in the grass, and then all of a sudden, he just decides, you know what? I think I could write a book. Mm-hmm. The, I, kn- I knew this. What I didn't know was the way he went about it. Yeah, that's what I found was kind of interesting. So first off, he, which I also knew, was he just mainly, I think, wrote in the mornings or whenever he had like the free yeah, time at his yeah. kitchen. He calls these two books his kitchen table books because he wrote them at, at his kitchen table. But With, here's the, with a, a fountain pen and parchment paper. Yeah, and this is what I really thought was interesting. So Haruki Murakami was, like most pe- writers at the time, trying to be very literary. He wanted to have this literary style and, you know, free-flowing, all these metaphors, everything. Basically, like your Yukio Mishimas and whoever else was, you know, he was following up at the time. Because there's a, no- a lot of Nobel Prize winners and Nobel Prize uh, nominees. Uh, they're not really nominated, but, you know, come in second or whatever in the voting around that time period from Japan. Haruki Murakami probably was, I would imagine, because he, he, he talked about his love for reading and just all these books he reads. He probably was influenced by that, and that was his writing style, but he just says he said it wasn't working. So what he did was... Well, he's just trying to find a different 
style yeah, he too. wanted to, he wanted to be like unique. So what he did was he started, which really makes sense for how this book is. Most of his work is written. He wrote it in English instead of writing it in Japanese. Well, with his first one, he wrote it in Japanese. Then didn't he like tr- it. He translated it into English. Yeah, himself like himself, and then he found out that way, and then. From like the just like the sentence structures and stuff like that, and then going forward, he was writing in with in English because he found like he could find a better rhythm and and stuff like that. He found it because his lack of vocabulary in English, he found he was more concise and had to get to the point, and he couldn't do all the like the literary stuff. He couldn't be all artistic and fancy. He just had to tell the story, so that became the focus. And like you said, he ended up translating. From the English back to the Japanese with that style. I thought that that was pretty interesting. Yeah, so when you read a Mirakami work, I always wondered, like, why is his style so Western? Not just the themes, but the actual style. That's why. I wonder if he still did that in, like, in his, like, work after that. Or, like, once he got past that, he was able to... Well, he says he found his voice that way. But, yeah, that's a good question. I wonder if he still does that. It seems counterintuitive. It seems like that would take a long time. So he wrote in English and then, you know, because tra- he says his work is, like... Japanese translated from English, which is really interesting, and that would make you stand out, especially at that time period when stuff like that wasn't being written in Japan. Wasn't he talking about like he was a little worried for catching some flack for that too? Yeah, like that was very not like the thing to it's do. Not the norm. Uh, but what was also interesting was he submitted to a writing contest. This was his thought process. There's a lot of things in this introduction, too, about things just kind of happening, like they were meant to happen, which was also kind of cool. I don't like to get into that too much, but. He goes into how he submitted to this contest and he only submitted the one copy that he had. And then he said, and a lot of those magazines at the time too, he said, if you're not selected, they just throw them away or whatever. You don't get them back. He, he like even forgot about it. Yeah, he forgot about it. So he was just resigned to say, if I don't win, then I'm just not going to be a writer. Like that was it. But as fortune or as fate had it, he got a call and he, he thought it was like a gag or something. Mm-hmm. He was like, what? Did not, he was confused. Like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, well, you know, we're thinking of picking your book it was really good and he's like what and then he ends up getting picked and then he becomes a novelist but his second book was also same thing still working really hard at the bar bar written at the kitchen table that kind of deal i'm interested to see how that one because that one was written in 1973 i'm interested to see how that compares to this first one yeah like just as far as the narrative and stuff because it took me a minute to get into this uh and we'll go into this more in the actual episode but it's not a narrative not really, no. And it's broken up almost like that Henry Rollins book I have where it's just like individual parts of somebody's life. Like it'll just be a, some of the paragraphs are just a sentence and then it just goes into a, either a new chapter or like a soft chapter break into something else, like a different scene. The way you read it, it makes a lot of sense of like he just wrote these whenever like he had time. Like, yeah. Like, like I could totally see him like writing like half a chapter and then like writing the other half like the next like two days later or whatever and it being like that very kind of broken up kind of feel to it and it's cool because having read some of his more challenging works going back to this original one you could see the amateur writer and you can see some of the like there is still some of that haruki Murakami brilliance that does shine through but you get a lot of just the not even just like an amateur writer but just like what we all go through mm-hmm. so like the, i remember early in the story there's a scene where he there's a girl who wakes he wakes up and there's a girl naked in his bed that's what you're led to believe because it's not immediately explained the situation and he's sitting there trying to remember her name he's like i can't remember her name and then he says to himself did she ever tell me her name but then literally the next page he talks about how he found her passed out at a bar Mm -hmm. and he got her name from her purse yeah and he uh 
that's how he found her address and he took her to her house. So it was her house they were in. So it was like literally the page before you said he didn't know, mm. didn't remember. Like it was yeah. like a continuity error. It's like you didn't, like he's probably writing that scene at the table next day or a couple of days later wrote the rest of it. So it's just like little things like that. It's like he didn't know her name, but he read her name. Mm. Like, come on. Well, she didn't, was- obviously didn't tell you her name. Like, and, and it's also like, uh, and I don't know about you with you reading more, but me just reading like those short stories. Also, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, what is that? Because I only magically just have like, is that going to be something weird that comes up yeah. later? Like This book, I will say, wasn't too weird. It had some of, like, again, the Mirakami elements that we learn, you know, learn to love over time. But in this, it's more not really the magical realism elements. No. Just uh, realism, I guess. It, yeah. More of the writing style. Yeah. The, um, just like the descriptions and the um the dialogue and, and, and stuff like that is really right. you know, moving and uh punchy kinda. Very punchy. And here's a quick excerpt of this introduction that describes like, you know, him writing in English. Needless to say, my ability in English composition didn't amount to much. My vocabulary was severely limited, as was my command of English syntax. I could only write in simple short sentences which meant that, however complex and numerous the thoughts running around my head, I couldn't even attempt to set them down as they came to me. The language had to be simple, my ideas expressed in an easy-to-understand way. The description stripped of all extraneous fat, the form made compact, everything arranged to fit a container of limited size. The result was a rough, uncultivated kind of prose. As I struggled to express myself in that fashion, however, step by step, a distinctive rhythm began to take shape. I just thought that was fascinating. Because who goes like that'd be like me with my limited Spanish going, I'm going to write this in Spanish and then see where it takes me. Well, and like that's just another thing that I want to touch on real quick is just like the intelligence of him, you know, because like he just got out of school and he's not he's able to like translate his own book for the most part. Like I couldn't do that to any other. No. Well, yeah, I mean that again. This is in the so he probably graduated school in the '60s, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because he talks about like the the protest at the time and stuff going on in Japan, which was interesting. I don't know if you've noticed, but like as this story progressed, especially near the end, his writing like matured. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, it got very intellectual. I mean, there was dashes of that throughout, but compared to just the beginning of the story to some of the conversations that happened, and it's only hundred page story here. Some of the stuff later on, he goes into like you know, detail about great artists and writers and, you know, jazz music and composers and all this stuff like Mirakami does in his modern work. But it was just really funny seeing that almost emerge out of nothing mm-hmm. because at the beginning, it's just like a very simplistic story. But then it it kind of uh, doesn't trick you, but it just kind of makes you content with like, oh, this isn't going to be a really easy read. But then it does get a little more complex, even though the language is basic. Well, it's also just a cool thing to kind of like to illustrate uh, when it comes to like any kind of art of starting out and then once you kind of start to get your footing a little bit and you kind of start like learning things, yeah. even if it doesn't matter if it's like writing or drawing or whatever it is, the that progress, you know? Yeah. I will say when I read this, I don't know how this would have won a contest. Yeah. Again, though, because of the Japanese style that he was going against, it was probably just so different. Mm, yeah, that's probably true. I would uh, equate that to an American submitting a very Japanese-esque or Russian-styled story to uh, a publication that was publishing very, very American work, like very hard American work, and then they get something that's written, even though it's in English, it has a Spanish style or Russian style or something that's very distinct, and you're like, oh, this is just different. Yeah. 
So I can see how that would stand out because this does not read like a jet. This reads almost like a J.D. Salinger or something. It was it was unique how you read this, and if you didn't know, it was Haruki Murakami. And like I said, up until a certain point where Japanese locations were named, I was like, was this set in the U.S.? Mm. This guy sounds very like the narrator sounds American. Yeah, the way he talks, the way he acts, even like the people he interacts with, this sound very American, and it's just not the. Japanese style or like the Japanese society we think of but at the same time this was a post World War II Japan yeah. there was a lot of protests there was a lot of change and there was a lot of westernization and even brings it up in the book how like they used to see a lot of American fighter jets going over the country because of you know wartime you get like this weird Japanese not necessarily adopting the United States' style but kind of embracing it like they weren't shunning it uh, at least Mirakami wasn't I don't know about others but but when you have previous Japanese authors such as uh, Yukio Mishima who he died not too long before Mirakami came out I want to say he killed himself either in the late 40s or 50s but his work you know is very pro-emperor pro-Japan and a lot of stuff at the time before World War II and during World War II was super pro-imperialist Japan, and then all of a sudden, then they lose the war, and then now this, like, Western emergence really comes through to the point where now Japan's, like, you know, our allies. Mm, yeah. uh, and they, they seem to really like the U.S. I don't know if anybody likes the U.S. at yeah. this time period, but comparatively to other countries. More like tolerate. Yeah, uh, but they don't, you know, if you lose a war to a country, you'd probably hate that country, especially if they bombed you horrifically with two nuclear bombs. You think you wouldn't forgive them, but they seem to have forgiven the U.S. Vietnam's like that, too. Even though they actually won the war, they don't, like, apparently Americans go to Vietnam, they're not hated. Where, and same with, like, South Korea, North Korea, obviously not. <laughs> but uh, it's just, like, I always find that fascinating because if you go to certain countries, like Middle Eastern countries, they're like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's still some fresh wounds mm -hmm. there. I don't blame them, but... Anyway, we're digressing too far. Next episode, uh, we will actually go into the book. And I was going to break this up, but I don't think there's a need. The Pinball 1973, that's a little longer. Maybe that could be a two-parter. But uh, Hear the Wind Sing, we can cover that in one episode. Yeah, yeah it's probably going to be an episode of story, I, w I would think. There's not much substance. There's a lot of nostalgia and sentimentality, I think. I felt really connected to the character because he's so goddamn cool. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I'm a cool guy. No, I do feel connected to the character. He is really cool. I'm not cool. But I just, it made me nostalgic for not only a time period I never was even ex existed in. But in a country as well. A country <laughs> I didn't exist in. Or even, because he's a college student, I never lived that either. But it made me like nostalgic for that life that this guy was living. I'm like, oh, he's just drinking a lot of beer and going to the beach and he's waiting to go back to school. I'm like, I wish I had that life. Like, that sounds fucking cool. But anytime I read anything from, like, the 60s and 70s, I get so depressed because it's like, damn it, they could just be drinking beer not wearing seatbelts driving down the road, like, going 100 on the highway and nobody would give a shit. Nowadays, everything has a law and a rule. And uh, Anyway, folks, I don't remember how we normally did outros for these, but if you like this, maybe you should pick up the book. Yes, yes, because uh, I'm sure by the time the, this comes out, you could get this book and you could read both stories by the time the episodes for each story come out. Yeah, like I said, they're only novella length. They're not really full novels. And I will recommend The Wild Sheep Chase. So when you finish these, you might want to read. I don't know if I have a physical copy. Okay. That's really good, too. And again, Mirakami, it's always quick reads. Yeah. Anything else? No, I don't think so. All right, folks. Well, we thank you for listening, and we will check you out next week. <laughs>